The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seek to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to You. Today is November 19th, 2021. My name is Leo Ryan and on the line with me is my co-host Ron Galuli. Ron, always a pleasure. It is a pleasure, Leo. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Did you pay attention at all to uh, COP26, the uh, the UN climate conference in, in Glasgow? Uh, I, I will have to admit a little bit, not as much as I should have. I did catch some of uh, uh, some snippets on some of the podcasts, like the daily, and I think uh, the post reports, but uh, not not a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, there's some minor wins out of there, but certainly a lot of controversy about uh, you know how big and small nations are gonna gonna get to their carbon reduction goals. Well, that that was a bit of a common theme, you know, the equity. Um, among you know uh, developing nations versus someone like the U.S. who's been a big contributor to carbon. Yeah, right, right. Now, no, mainly at that uh, at conference are, are large governments because it's governments called into that. But increasingly, I'm in conversations and my clients are challenged to uh, to report on their uh, their carbon reduction goals. And uh, I was just I'm working with this company. They've got 80 offices, mainly in North America, but they've got some activity in uh, Europe and uh, in Latin America. Um, and it's just optical software. And increasingly, the, the the folks that they sell into, which are the the, the, the biggest companies in the world. So the, the, the Googles, the Walmarts, the Amazons, those companies are requiring that they they register and report on their supply chains. And uh, they happen to be focused on on health and safety matters, so they have to they have to ramp up their health and safety programs. But as part of that disclosure, they're asked to report on on the, on their supply chain and their carbon reduction goals, and it's really challenging because that's not their core activity. And so for them, it's a little bit of scrambling around how to fill this in. And I have to say that that they really feel challenged because they need to sell into these environments. Right, and when the WalMarts and Amazons and Googles make these requirements, they've got to figure out how to respond. Have you bumped into stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we previously talked about Birdo in Boston and Local Law ninety seven in New York, where there's going to be strict carbon uh, limits for um, building owners. And I just see that need for reporting, tracking, percolating down to the lower customer level as well. Right. Right. Well, so we've got a terrific guest on the line with us today, um, Rashurity, and uh, we're joined by Adam Reeve, who is the the senior VP of software product. And uh, I think uh, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you and Rashurity can can help uh, some of our clients with these challenges. We hope so. We hope so. Uh, th- thanks so much for having me here, guys. It's a pleasure to have you here. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to just just as we lead is what we're, we're what we'd like to do is uh, have you tell the story uh, so that we can find uh, where Resurity fits in the marketplace. What are the the problems that the marketplace has, and and how is Resurity going about to solve them? So if you would just give us an overview of uh, of uh, of what Resurity does. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of background is Resurity was founded uh, almost 10 years ago. 
Um, so it's been a little while and we've really evolved quite a bit as a company over that time. Um, so what I think I'm going to talk to you mostly about today is our carbon measurement tool, carbon emissions tool called locational marginal emissions that we really just launched this past year. But how we got there was almost almost 10 years of the company developing capabilities and modeling power markets and modeling intermittent generation. So wind speed, solar generation, batteries. And we sort of put all that together and launched this product this year that measures carbon emissions at a really granular level. Um, and so what that, what that does is uh, basically measures the impact of a generator. So a wind plant or a solar plant or a storage asset on the grid and tells you how much carbon that particular project is actually avoiding. Um, so you talk about companies that are trying to figure out how do they decarbonize or how do they measure their carbon impact or their carbon goals. We see granular, precise data as really a key tool for enabling those groups to hit those goals confidently um, and maximize their carbon impact. And so that, that's where we see ourselves fitting into the picture. Beautiful. Tell us about the the, uh, the data itself. Boy, this is a, a huge challenge. Ron and I have been in, involved with uh, remote commissioning programs for for decades, and you know one of the biggest challenges that that those tools have had is um, getting the data in a timely fashion so that it can be integrated. And we're talking that's that's one building. Now the, you're talking at a portfolio level. I imagine that uh, that pulling that data together accurately, defensible is is a, is a, is an extreme challenge. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a lot of data, um, and so we're a company that's mostly software engineers and researchers. So we're very tech focused. That's been a part of our DNA ever since we started. Um, and so, and so I think that's one area where we really have a capability is being able to handle these big data sets. Um, and there's a lot out there. So we're, what we're doing is we're looking at data that's published by wholesale market operators. So we're starting in Texas, ERCOT, uh, where the famous big storm was last year. Um, they actually publish a lot of data as does every other market in the country. And we're using that data to understand at a really granular level, how different generators are influencing the grid. And by putting that through the software that we've developed in our in-house capabilities, uh, we can help figure out what, what is the impact of each generator um, and how you can potentially change that for the better, right? Where are the opportunities to build a new wind farm or build a new solar farm? Um, not only the technologies, but also the locations on the grid that can have the biggest impact. One thing that's really like become apparent to us is that Location really matters. Where you build a project can have a tremendously different impact from a carbon perspective than if you build it somewhere else, even within the same grid. Um, and so that's what we're hoping to help people do is be able to make those decisions with the right information um, so that they can maximize the amount of decarbonization for each dollar or each megawatt hour that they procure. Beautiful. Hey, Ron, I'm going to let you jump in here because, you know, you are right on the front lines of these transmission challenges, right? So the utilities challenge with the idea of uh, how, to, how to free up space as, as development took place. And now increasingly, we're seeing um, new assets coming online, renewable assets, intermittent assets, creating other challenges. I wonder, Ron, if you wouldn't speak to the to those two elements, the, 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 the constriction that takes place and also these intermittent resources that are coming online. Yeah, we've seen um, some new products on the market like uh, Medley Thermal, and this is totally counterintuitive. 
um, to what our traditional thinking is, where they'll actually do energy arbitrage with an electric boiler. Now think of that. For years, we've been trying to get electric boilers offline. But when rates are low and the carbon, let's say it's off peak and the carbon emissions are really low, so let's say you have a nuclear base load, that, um, that type of asset, right? It's a customer asset or could be a utility asset um, has a greater impact on the emissions as a result of uh, the low carbon emissions on the grid. So it seems to me, Adam, you know, the data you have, I assume, is from maybe the ISO New England level or the ISO level on where those assets are and when they're operating and how that all plays into uh, the dispatching of these assets and then assigning some type of value to them. Yeah, that's exactly right. So as you said, the data is coming from the market operator. So, so the ISO New England is an example, ERCOT, MISO, KISO, those are also sort of groups that we're getting data from. And what we're doing is we're, take, we're, we're taking a really granular understanding of the grid, right? How the topology, how the wires are connected influences how different generators respond in response to a particular change in load, for example, your electric boiler, right? Or a change in generation, say uh, an increase of wind speed at a particular wind, wind farm, right? And so we use that really granular topology of the grid to understand how different generators are going to respond. Um, and that, that becomes a, a key element of our metric. So it's, it's the transmission lines, it's the congestion within the transmission network. That's a really key part of our, of our modeling. Um, it's the identification of each wholesale generator and their fuel type. And basically what that allows us to do is, is exactly as you said, Ron, is be able to understand when are the best times of day to use energy because a megawatt hour is not, all megawatt hours are not created equal in terms of carbon impact. It really matters when you're consuming or generating and where you're consuming or generating. Um, and so we're actually talking with a lot, of, a lot of storage groups to try to figure out how to use that sort of information to exactly, as you say, optimize your timing so that you are charging when the grid is clean and discharging when it's dirtier. So you can really make sure that you're having a positive carbon impact on the grid overall. Because um, otherwise, uh, storage are, you know, they're not they're not 100 efficient, right? So they're they're not outputting as much energy as they're taking in, um, and so to have a carbon a positive carbon impact, you need to make sure that you are actually uh, avoiding the dirtiest emissions. And this is a, a really we're excited about enabling those groups to have a way to measure that at the project specific level. Great. Um, oh, one more question, Leo, or follow up onto that. Um, <clears throat> I know I've been speaking with some of the utility program managers. And as you may know, the programs are changing next year in Massachusetts, a very uh, carbon focused type of program. So I, I would think there may be a big play for your tool um, so that they may offer some type of service for the customers to um, let them know through your software, okay, you know, you run your storage at this time in combined with maybe some other program and they may be able to offer incentives at a higher level or an additional incentive based on the carbon reduction associated with the timing of that asset. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we're exploring is, is working with utilities to increase access to this sort of granular data so that consumers can have access to it, so businesses can have access to it. And it's not really just limited to the wholesale generators where 
that's been that's the market that we're most familiar with, right? But there's a whole world of impact beyond that that we'd love to work with groups to figure out ways so that this data can ultimately have the biggest impact possible. So right now we're mostly talking to generators. Um, we're also talking quite a bit with corporations, the large companies of the world, the CNIs that are buying tremendous amounts of power. So we actually co-created this project or this product with Microsoft. Um, we'd worked with them for years to manage risk transfer in their energy procurement. Um, as I mentioned, Rishirdi sort of evolved. We started in managing risk transfer and, and they brought to us this problem. They realized that the carbon impact of their procurements were different based upon where they were and how they generated. And there was no way to quantify that. There was no way for them to measure that difference. And so we worked over about 18 months to develop this tool to answer that question uh, for them. And I'm now working to try to figure out how can we how can we have other corporations and help customers also use this data to make smarter decisions going forward. Oh, that's great, Adam. I, I want to have you go deep on, on the subject you just talked about. So you've listed out a whole bunch of values here where, you know, identifying constraints, the opportunity with understanding charging times, uh, the opportunity for storage groups. You've got a whole uh, list of value points, and you told a great little story about uh, Microsoft there. So seeing that the resurity applies to a whole bunch of problems that the grid currently experiences, how do you monetize this? Uh, where do you go? How do you how do you get that hockey stick kind of growth for adoption? What, what's the priorities for Resurity? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and so as I mentioned, this is fairly new, right? So we launched this in July. So we're really excited about the growth potential ahead. The, the groups that we're working with right now span a couple of different classes, um, people who are buying this data from us. So we're selling this data as a service. Um, and we're actively reporting every single month on the impact that projects have. So you can sign up from us and we'll send you a report every month that says, here's the carbon impact of your project, given our hourly nodal measurements of the emissions rate at your particular project location, right? So that's sort of one, uh, one fairly simple solution that we have now that multiple corporates are using to measure the impact of their portfolio. Um, we also are working with a number of other generators we have an API service where you can pull this data yourself, right? So if you're a developer of wind or solar or storage, you can try to understand where's the best place for me to site my project, right? And then once I have a project that I'm building or thinking about building, how do I show prospective buyers, off takers or investors that my project is having a really big impact on the grid or importantly, maybe a bigger impact than you know the other project a couple of miles down the road, right? Because it is pretty competitive out there. Um, and this is a way of measuring that impact and marketing the project. And so that, those are a couple of ways that we're seeing interest now. We think there's a whole world of opportunity beyond that. We're talking with carbon crediting agencies to develop really granular carbon credits. Uh, we're talking with regulators. This actually marginal emissions uh, showed up in the infrastructure bill that was signed this past week. So there's a lot of interest in this. I would say right now our primary, primary customers are uh, CNIs who are who are focused on their carbon impact and trying to do that in a cost-effective way, um, and then projects that are looking to try to measure the prospective carbon impact of, of their projects and, and sell them more effectively. So, in that, when you're having that conversation with that CNI community, uh, who is it within the organization that uh, that you need to get to? I imagine there's a there's a bit of a, uh, a consensus that needs to be built. But, but, but who are the folks in the, in the, in the community that, um, that uh, your message resonates with? 
Yeah, so we're talking with mostly sort of the, the thought leaders right now, the leaders who are trying to get ahead of the curve. So it's the energy procurement team and the sustainability strategy team that really tries to go above and beyond what reporting requirements make you do today. So one challenge that we and much of the industry, there's been a lot of press around this, are, are wrestling with is current greenhouse gas accounting rules treat every megawatt hour of energy as the same from a carbon perspective. And there's been a whole bunch of articles about this and I won't get into too much of the details unless you want me to, but uh, the groups that we're talking with today are, are trying to go above and beyond that, right? And they're trying to do that either because they have lofty aspirations for having a real impact on the grid and thought leadership, or because they're trying to get ahead of what they see as change coming down the road, right? These contracts that they're entering into are 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 year contracts. And given that there's pretty much universal consensus that we need to get more granular with our carbon emissions measurements, getting ahead of that is where we see a lot of strategy happening today, where basically these groups say, accounting rules don't make me do this today, but I wanna get ahead of the curve. I wanna be in a good position in five years and 10 years and 15 years. And so it's the groups that are setting that longer term vision that we're, that we're talking with and are having the most success with um, and we think that's a general trend that we're seeing across the industry, but but led by the major thought leaders like Microsoft and others who are who are pushing the envelope on what can be done for sustainability. Beautiful. So, if within that world, if you had to identify some obstacles, some hindrances that um, you know Rashardi runs into, but also these thought leaders run into, what what would you say the primary obstacles are? Yeah, so I, I think that accounting is a big one. Um, and I know that the groups that are in charge uh, or have, have historically been in charge of developing the accounting rules are looking to redefine those and we're engaging in those stakeholder processes and expect to be over the next year or so. Those are long processes, right? So it takes many years and a lot of stakeholder input to have an update to the GSG protocols, for example. Um, and so I think that is... I mean, ultimately, we want to make sure that as much clean energy gets onto the grid as quickly as possible, right? We have a burning issue for climate change. And so we don't want complexity and, and you know, perfection to be the enemy of the good, right? We want more people to be able to buy clean energy, even if it's not using perfect, you know, high quality data. But at the same time, we do want to incentivize groups to be able to use that data where possible to make smarter decisions. And so I think it's a bit of a tug of war in some cases between precision and accuracy and, and complexity. Um, and, and groups that are just sort of getting their toes into the water for the first time in this clean, clean energy procurement space. And so what we want to do and are, are trying to figure out how to do this is to make sure that all of the data that we develop uh, and use is accessible to not only the thought leaders and the groups that are really sophisticated, but really everyone who's trying to get into the space and trying to support their sustainability goals. That's interesting. I've mentioned before that, uh, you know, one of my volunteer tasks is I, I chair Natick's Sustainability Committee. You know, it's a nine-member committee, and we've got a terrific uh, sustainability sustainability director for, for the town. And we're going through, and we've got a, a net zero target. 2050 matches up with the state of Massachusetts and a whole bunch of other agencies. And every time we 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 start the conversation about a new elementary school in town. Uh, we want to put somebody with a sustainability focus at the table so that those quite, so we don't build like we built 25 years ago. You know, we need to build a portfolio moving into the future. 
But, you know, most of the, the carbon load from the town, for most towns, sits in the residential sector. Right. And it's a very granular decision at each house. Where, what, where, where's the conditioning come from? How do you convert it? Is the roof, is the roof adequate, uh, appropriate for solar? Right. So, so spot by spot. And that's just, that's in the town that's, uh, that's doing its best to move towards a net zero future. And, um, you know, forward thinking, um, uh, companies are doing the exact same thing. And it's a very kind of guerrilla type activity where you, you literally have to understand each of these pieces in the portfolio. And frankly, there's, there's just not, we don't, have, we don't have the resources in town. We don't have enough people with the deep expertise to do it. And tools like Rashuri's put together, they're absolutely essential to, to look for a, a portfolio adjustment modification moving towards 2050 goals. And 2050 goals, you know, it's, it's common. It, towns have them, states have them, countries have them. And uh, if we don't have tools like Resurity, we're just not going to get to that net zero future. Yeah, we're really excited about the opportunity to support groups like that, right? Uh, I think that's a great story of, of sort of the you know, type, of, type of people that we're trying to reach, right? And, and trying to make sure that this is integrated with a tool set that makes it really easy to use and accessible. So one thing that I'm on the software team, I'm really excited about is integrating this with our, our old, other projects, other products. Um, so I mentioned Resurity has evolved over time. Where we really started as a company is looking at the financial value of intermittent generation, right? So how much is your wind project worth? How much is your solar project worth? Um, and projecting that out into the future, right? 10, 15 years, purely on a financial basis, not, not carbon. And now we're layering in this carbon level. Um, and so far this year, given that the carbon measurement tool is so new, we've sort of been looking at that more in isolation, right? Um, just because it's a new product. But I think going forward, where we see our products going is blending them together, right? So you can look at a project and think about what's the dollar impact of it and what's the carbon impact of it? And how do I build a portfolio that maximizes both of those things? And depending upon who you are and what your budget is and what your priorities are, you might weigh those differently, right? But what we want to do is give you the tools to be able to do that really easily. And that, that's what I'm excited about because I think that that's, that's the sort of information that everyone needs to be able to ultimately have a really cost-effective and sustainable impact um, going forward. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I know Ron and I have spent a lot of our careers working on this you know, energy efficiency for portfolios, and there's constantly a conversation about a financial hurdle rate. Right, so we bring in a solution. It has to pass that financial hurdle, whatever metric they're using for that. You know, payback is typically one that we see. So, Leo, I, I know you've been involved in, <clears throat> excuse me, data-driven solutions for over ten years now. Um, I, I see um, the timing for data-driven solution like Resurity and other solutions um, ha has come the way the utility programs are going with more of a carbon focus and some of their traditional uh, revenue models or revenue streams through energy efficiency are changing very quickly. And so I think there's a natural um, timing of this type of service and the need for it in the marketplace. That's great. So, Adam, we do try to keep these discussions to, to 20 minutes. Have we missed anything? Any other message that you'd like to get out about Resurity? 
No, I think I, I really appreciate the time. I think this has been great. Um, I, I think that you captured a lot of, of what we're working on. Um, and, and what we're really excited about, as I mentioned, is sort of bringing together this package for people. And I think that's, if I could sort of leave with one thing, it's, it's, it's thinking about how to use that for really smart decision-making going forward, right? Because we need to decarbonize as fast as possible. Like that's the global imperative. And how can we do that in a way that's both cost-effective and, and efficient? Um, and, and I think that we're pretty excited to support that. So I really appreciate the discussion today. A pleasure to have you. And we're, ha we're happy to support you too. So, you know, we'll be watching your work and, and rooting for you. And if there's anything we can do on Energy Matters to you to help with that message, uh, please let us know. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. You're welcome. All right. Well, on behalf of Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan, we're signing off, which I think are our 31st episode over six years with uh, Adam Reeve from, um, from Resurity. So please take time to listen to the podcast, pass it on, share it. Um, you, can, you can find Resurity on, on the web. And as always, uh, it's a pleasure having you here. There's work to be done. Go make a difference. difference. <laughs> Thanks all.